Okay, Tzoraim Tov, we continue the Sefer Nefesh Shimshon. The next topic is Kaddish. That's the next thing after we say Rabbi Shmuel Omer, we say the Rabbi's Kaddish. And then if you're Ashkenaz, then after Mizmor Shir Hanukkah Savayis, we say another mourner's Kaddish. And there's many Kaddishes sprinkled throughout the davening. And we know that the Kaddish is a very lofty, important prayer. It's like anything else that's considered a Dover Shibik Dusha, an item that's said in holiness, that you must have 10 people. The Gemara in Sota says, what keeps the world existing? So it says the Kedusha that we say in the davening, and Yehesh Me Rabba that said after learning certain pieces of Talmud. Okay, and because it's so important, we have a Kaddish in between different sections of the prayers. When you're finished the morning blessings and all the korbanos, we say a Kaddish between that and Sukkot de Zimra. Between Sukkot de Zimra and the brachas of Kriyashma, we say another Kaddish. When you're finished with the Amida, and after we did Tachanun, there's another uh, Kaddish. And when you end the davening after that point, you say Ashavalutzion and all that, there's another Kaddish. It's Kaddish after Elenu. There's a lot of Kaddishes. And the early commentaries mentioned that what the Kaddish does, it's able to elevate every section of the prayer as when you finish it, you want to bring it up to Hashem, so to speak. So therefore, Kaddish has something to do with the section you finished and it has to do with the next section you're about to start. Also, the Kabbalists tell us the goal of a full Kaddish is to subjugate the klipos, the shells that they should not have any grasp onto the prayers. We don't want any negativity in the prayers. Okay. And so let's try to explain a little bit so you have some idea of what makes this Kaddish so important. So again, this is a longer topic. It will take two sessions. So lately we've been in that routine that we go halfway and give you the introductory material on one day, and then the next day gets finished up. So we've got to hold you in suspense at the end of today's class, so to speak. I'm warning you in advance, but it's, it's a lot of material. First, let's uh, add a new point regarding Kaddish. It's brought down in the Abu Draham. He says, first of all, what makes Kaddish unique is it is said in the Aramaic language. Why do we say it in the Aramaic language? He says, because the ministering angels do not know that language. And therefore, so that they will not be jealous of us, we say it in Aramaic language. So what does it mean that they would be jealous if they would hear us say Kaddish in a normal Hebrew? So, Rapinka says there's two types of jealousy. The simple jealousy is a person's jealous of his neighbor. His neighbor has something and he wants what the neighbor has because he feels he's missing something. My friend has it, I don't have it. So I wish I would have that. Well, that's a bad jealousy. That's a really bad jealousy. But there's another jealousy that comes from the fact 
that your friend has something, but he's not really suited to have such a thing based on his level. Let's say you know your neighbor is very poor and he's driving a fancy car. Or let's say a fellow who's really very ignorant in Torah and he wears rabbinic garb like a big Rosh Hashiva. So we also have a certain jealousy because like what, 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 what business you have with this? There's a big difference in these two types of jealousy. The first jealousy is only as long as the person doesn't have what he wants that the other guy has. If the other guy has it, I'm jealous because I don't have it. If I have it, I'm not jealous anymore. But if someone is having something he really shouldn't be having, so even if others have it, and it's a very, uh, and even if, if it's more hush than what they have, but they say, look, look how much effort we did to get it, and somebody who doesn't really make any effort to get it, it arouses some type of jealousy as well. So therefore, when the angels hear us saying the Kaddish, their jealousy stems from the fact that they feel that's a chutzpah on our part to say Yiskadel v'Yiskadesh. Who are we to say Yiskadel We're not angels. The angels know that they're on the level to say that. Who are we to say this? Therefore, we say in Aramaic so that they don't understand what we're saying. So it comes out that the angels, they are the ones who are really suited to say Yiskadel v'Yiskadesh because it's a very lofty concept. And they're jealous of us because we feel we don't really have any connection to that. It's beyond us. That's the kind of jealousy we're talking about. So you have to understand, so what is the content? What are they being jealous about? Like, what about the cottage are they jealous about? And what does it mean that the angels don't understand their image? This is leading questions. So now what we have to do is to understand Bechlal, what is the concept of Aramaic? Where does it belong? Now, it has the letters, Hebrew letters, and it's close, but it's not the same at all. So what does this mean, Aramaic? So Gemara Megillah says that the Aramaic language was also given at Sinai. And there are some words in the Chumash that are in Aramaic. When uh, Lavan and Yaakov meet, uh, uh, meet for the last time and part their ways, they put a bunch of rocks up. Yaakov calls it Gal Aid, a pile of rocks. <coughs> and Lavan calls it Yagar Sohaduso, which is the Aramaic of a pile of rocks. The book of Daniel, the book of Nehemiah, a large part of it is in Aramaic. And the rabbis say, every Jew should say, the Torah portion two times and one time in the Targum of Aramaic. So there has to be something special about it. It was given at Sinai. So now the question is, so why at Sinai did Hashem give us two languages? Lashon HaKodesh, the Holy Tongue, and Aramaic. So now we're going to get into a big topic. Okay. So the early rabbis say, we're going to say the terms and then we'll spend a good part of today explaining this idea. They say that Aramaic is the back end of Lashon HaKodesh. In other words, 
the lang- the holy language that we received, Lashon HaKodesh, Hebrew, no, has a punim, has a front end. That's Lashon HaKodesh, the front end, and the back end is Aramaic. So imagine two sides of a coin. The front end is Hebrew, the back end is Aramaic. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Punim, like the face, and Ochar means the back. So what does that mean? What does it mean when we're relating to something, we call it the face, and we call something the back? So Lasha Kodesh is the face, and Aramaic is the back. So what does that mean? So Gomorrah and Aramid says that the human being was created in a way that he had a front and back. As David HaMelech says, Ochor v'kadam v'kidem tzartani. You created me back and front. Okay. So, and we know uh, that a person is considered an olam katan, a mini-universe. So I guess the whole structure of the universe is something of front and back. So what is this front and back that we're talking about so much? So let's try to give an example. Let's say a person's looking for his friend. Looking for his friend. Okay. Now, it's a big difference if he sees the friend in his face or he sees him from the back. Let's say it's your good friend. How do you know it's your good friend? You don't see it. So you're walking across the street. You see someone with his back to you and he's walking with his back to you. But you could tell it's him. You know the way he walks, the way he does whatever, you know that's him. Okay. But if you see your friend's face, not only do you know it's your friend, but you also could know what he's, how he's feeling and what he's thinking about. If he's sad, you see he's got a sad face. If he's tired, he has a tired face. If he's happy, he has a happy face. So therefore, the front is called panim. Because panim, which means face, but it's also pinimi, pan, pinimi, is inside. When you look at someone's face, it's called a panim, because panim also means inside. You can see the inside. And the and just like any way, just so, so, so there is something or anything else besides a person, you could see something from the, the face, meaning deeper aspect of it, or not as deep. If you're looking at the back, you can't really understand any depth of the person. You can just identify who is standing in front of you. If someone's doing an action, you could know who's doing the action, but with what feelings he's doing the action, you don't know unless he's looking at his in his face. So Moshe said, I want to see you. What did Hashem say? You could see my back, but you can't see my face. Sefern explains what is means to my back. You could see me through my actions. You look at the world, you see what I do, it gives you an idea about me, but that's the back. I do acts of kindness and things like that. But my face, nobody could see that because that is really the essence of Hashem. And there's no, no such thing as anybody understanding the essence of Hashem. We could see the back. We could see, you know, okay, it's Hashem in action. But we can't really see Hashem, so to speak. And that's one of our foundations of faith, that Hashem is beyond any con- 
conception, any grasp. He's so unique in every way. He's wise, but there's no wise man who can understand his wisdom. He's strong, and no strong person can understand and define it. So that's panai lo yerau. My face, they cannot see. You can't comprehend the inner aspect of Hashem. But you can see me from the back. Why? Because at the end of the day, look at the whole world that Hashem makes. And obviously Hashem fills that whole world. And Hashem is supervising the whole world. There's no place that doesn't have Hashem. But that's only the back. That lets me know there's Hashem in the world. But I can't see the essence of Hashem. Okay. That's the idea of front and back. We'll see how we're going to have to apply this to Aramaic and Hebrew. We'll have to see. Okay, now another point. In general, when we talk about a person's name, it identifies the back part of the person. Why? Because by that name, what does that name do? It separates him from everything else in the world. If you are Shlomo, you are Shlomo, you're not Shimon, you're not Levi. So now I could say, you are who you are, you're not somebody else. But I don't know the essence of you. I don't know what's going on inside you. If you're a Tzaddik or a Russia, generous or cheap, God-fearing or not God-fearing, that we don't know until you personally know the person. By just knowing the name, you can't understand who the person is. So the name is, again, like the back. You know who it is, but you don't know anything about the person. So even though when Hashem says to Moshe, you will not see my face, because nobody can see my face and live, but still Hashem says, Vekarasi, and you'll call me Bishem Hashem Lefonecha, with the name of Hashem before you. Meaning to say that Moshe cannot see the essence of Hashem. You can understand the back, and the back is like the name of Hashem, who's doing the kindness that can understand it. You can call me by name. And that's what the Ramban says, that Hashem explains what Hashem says to Moshe. Seeing my face that you asked, you can't see. But for Karasi B'Shem Hashem, I will call before you my great name that you cannot see. So you know when you call my name, you know which Mida I am using. Which means, in other words, what's Ramban saying? Even though you cannot comprehend the essence of Hashem, but when we call him by a name, that is the name in which we see what he is doing. And the name expresses, you know, what's going on inside, but we don't really see inside. Okay? Uh, the, the back of that is still the back, and the front is going into the essence of everything. So therefore, any aspect of Kedusha that we are dealing with, we can understand it in two aspects of Kedusha, the face and the back. The face is the beauty and the detail of exactly what's going on into the depth of it. And the back is just a definition. It's the name, but it's missing detail. So therefore, Lashon HaKodesh, the Hebrew language, is the panim shel kedusha? It's the face of kedusha. It's the inner content of kedusha. 
Every letter expresses amazing things. Okay. And every word which that's similar to another word that's in the Talmud, we have certain teachings. Zereshava. You have a word here, you have a word there. It's coming to teach something because their essence is very similar. But Aramis is like seeing the back. It's giving the general root, but it's missing all kinds of detail. And therefore, the Sisre Torah, the secrets of the Torah that's written in the Zohar Kodesh is written in Aramaic. Because why? We can only get the outside understanding of the secrets of the Torah. We can't understand the depths of the secrets of the Torah. Okay. So now we've got Lashon HaKodesh is seeing the face. This is Mamish. That word is Mamish defining its essence. So that is exactly what that, whatever that word is, that's exactly what's going on. Aramaic is a general understanding, but not in detail. Yeah. Usually your friend example, I like your friend example. You, you see the back. Why do you, why do you need to see the face? Well, you have to know what mood he's in. Well, what, how he's feeling. You see the back, it's enough. It's your no. Face. So you, you, you don't but you don't know if he's sad to cheer him up. I see you're walking past me. Okay. But now if I see your face, and I see it's very sad face, so what's the matter? Getting closer to him, getting inside you. No, he says you can't see my face. The essence, I can see your face, but I can't see Hashem's face. Are you saying cannot on purpose? No, we cannot. We're not able. We're not able to see Hashem's face. We're not able to go into the essence of Hashem. We can go into the essence of another person. That's called psychology, psychiatry. We can get you to spill out everything that's inside of you. That we can do. But you can't spill out everything that's inside of Hashem. Okay. Now, let's continue. Slowly, slowly, we're trying to get to Kaddish. And why the Kaddish is in Aramaic. So the Zohar says, the Kedusha, there's a Kedusha that's said in Lashon HaKodesh, when we say Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Okay, now we say that during Kedusha, the repetition. It has to have 10 people. We can't say Kedusha without 10 people. It's in Lashon HaKadosh. But there's the Kedusha that's said in Aramaic. When we say Aramaic, it's by Uval Yeah, Not earlier, at the end of the davening. But, but, but then there's the Aramaic right afterwards. It can also send them right. An individual can say that. And Zora asks, why? Why is, uh, so that so that if that's the case, how come the Kaddish is said in Aramaic? <coughs> and that, that cannot be done with one person. Now, Kedusha, that's in Aramaic, is said by one person. Kedusha, the Hebrew, has to have 10 people. Kaddish is Aramaic, has to have 10. Why? And he answers, Kaddish is said in the Lushan of, he calls the Sitra Acher, the other side, which is Aramis. And it, the Kaddish breaks <laughs> all the forces of the Sitra Acher. When you say the Kaddish, we'll see why, it's the back end, so to speak, of the language. But Kaddish 
breaks the forces of evil. And then your prayers are heard. Okay? Because since you're going to break that which blocks HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and then HaKadosh Baruch Hu can be perceived, that's why you have to have ten. So what does all this mean? So, the explanation, Hashem created the worlds with two different types of messengers. They both are doing God's will, but they're coming from the opposite side. One is the angel, so to speak, that speak Lashon HaKodesh. Hebrew. There are angels who speak Hebrew. And they express the beauty of the kingdom of Hashem. And each of those angels is created to reveal the honor of Hashem in a specific way. For example, Gomorrah says there isn't a blade of grass that grows below that doesn't have an angel above that makes it grow. Okay? And that makes the world beautiful. And those angels, they're expressing the kingdom of Hashem in this world, the beauty of it, the face of it, and they understand, they speak in Hebrew. Those are what we call, the, for lack of a better term, the good angels. They're all, they're really not good or bad. But one is bringing out the glory of Hashem. You see grass growing, there's an angel doing that. And that's Loshan Kodesh. That's the inner, that's the inner aspect of our understanding of Hashem that's beautiful. But there's a second kind, that's the klipos, that's the shells, that's the other side. They also have a shlichus from Hashem. They're created by Hashem. But the honor of Hashem is not so obviously ascertained. Because their job is, for example, to punish certain people, which will then repair the malchus of Hashem. So that will have fear of the malchus of Hashem. So they're on God's side too, but they do things we're not that very happy with when we see this. And they also have another job, to conceal what Hashem does. To not be so clear that everything Hashem does when he does this, and why? So now we have free will choice. And therefore when you choose to do the right thing, it's even more important. So there's two different types of forces. The, po the obviously positive force, and the one that appears to be very negative. But the goal of both forces, even the force of the other side, is to reveal the unity of Hashem. But that's the achor, that's the back. Compared to Kedusha, it's the backside of Kedusha. You don't really readily see Hashem from that. Right? When, when Hashem brings good into the world, a mouse bringing good into the world, a baby is born into the world, mamish, look, you're seeing the front end of Hashem. You're seeing Hashem's kindness. And then when a tzaddik is suffering, what's, where's this? That's the back end, which is just as important. But it's hard for us to perceive this from Hashem. So now when we say Kaddish in what language? Of, Arame of Aramaic, which is the backhand language, we're elevating the backhand and turning it into the front. And that's how we remove all prosecutions from our prayer and anything that would hold it back. Okay, this is the theory. We still have to get more into the detail. But it's in Aramaic. We're using the language of the other side and, and we're going to break that other side. And that enables then the positive side to appear. The problem is there's so much negative in the world we can barely see the positive. That was my question. Okay. The question was, you break down the clipos. 
that's where you're, you're focused to be, bring other people. Because once you're there, the essence of Hashem, it's, it's going to be there. You don't, have to, you don't need to see the essence. You don't need to break the clipos. Then you have right. the But when you break the clipos, you will see that which is good. Yes. So now the question is, so what lies in the Kaddish that destroys that other side and they were able to have our tefillahs be heard? Here, that there's, you got these beautiful tefillahs that we'd like to say or we even are saying, but they're getting blocked. So Kaddish, which needs a lot more explanation, but Kaddish is said in Aramaic, so we smash the other side out so that the good comes out. And therefore, as we're going from one part to the other, I just finished one part of the prayer, but there could be Kleep over there. And it won't let me connect to the next level. I gotta smash the Kleepa, and now I'm able to go to the next level. But how is this exactly working? What is the mechanism of all this? Aha, now things are getting a little bit uh, more challenging and we're running out of time. So Shlomo Melech has an expression. He says, he asks, you know, what is the way of life of a Jew? What is the main way a Jew should be living? What's the most important thing for a Jew? If you ask Shlomo Melech. So in Proverbs, he says, Orach Chaim, the way of life, Lamala Lamaskil, is above for the very intelligent people. Meaning, the way of life is to grow. What's the most important thing in life? Grow. Laman Sur. Mishol Mata. So you don't fall in going down. The main thing of life is to go up and not to go down. Says the Vilna Like this. We're going up so that we don't go down. Which means if you aren't growing, you're falling. We're always in a state of motion. Either we're going up or we're going down. There's no stationary. If you're stationary, you're going down. As we've said many times, life is climbing the up Climbing up the down escalator. If you do nothing, you go down. If you go fast, you go super fast to go up on the down escalator. Okay, and the Ramchal says in many places, this explains the concepts of godless bigness and katnus smallness that depends on how much we recognize that Hashem is one. It's a fascinating idea. It's when a baby is born, he's one day old. We call him a kata. It technically means a minor, but it means small. Why is he called small? Is it because he doesn't stand on his feet? Well, there's old people who can't stand on their feet, but they're not called small. So why is he called a cotton? You know why a child's called a cotton? Because he can't recognize anything outside of himself. A little baby is hungry, cries. Something's hurting, cries. The whole world is him. He's small, small-minded. There's nothing beyond himself. As he gets a little older, he sees there's other people around him. He be, understands, oh, he has a mother. He's not the only one who's alive. He has a mother. That shows he's getting a little older. He's getting a little bigger. When he's five years old, he says, I have a father and a mother, and i got to listen to them. There's really a, an element that's outside of him. He cannot be the total focus of the world. When he becomes eight or nine, he understands that there's a creator, and the creator gives to his father, his father gives to his mother, his mother gives to him. 
but still he's focused on himself. He still is a cotton, always getting bigger, but he's still a cotton. When he reaches bar or bat mitzvah, he can understand that Hashem is one. As David Amelech said, even when my father and mother left me, Hashem took care of me. When you recognize the unity of Hashem, then you are a Godol. Because now, Hashem is the one who gives life, he gives parnasa. He still thinks, I need to live, I'm in the picture, but he understands that he's much bigger in understanding as a God. And as he gets older, the more he recognizes the unity of Hashem, he becomes bigger and bigger. That makes you a big... When we say a person's an Adam God, it's a big person. What does it mean he's a big person? It means he understands mamish that everything is Hashem, and then really he is nothing. That's a big person. You want to be a big person? You have to be small. <laughs> Yourself. Now, when, when do our tefillos fall into the mud? When do our tefillos get surrounded by klipos, which aren't able to go any further? Because we don't say them with the recognition that Hashem is the only one. This is the whole reason why tefillos are not accepted. The rabbis say, you know, the Rishayim stand over their gods, like Paro stood over the, the Nile River. I, he's their god. No, 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 no. The Goyim feel the gods serve them. Now, there's many fine Jews. They daven and do mitzvahs, as we mentioned in yesterday's class, uh, last uh, Shabbos morning, that we do mitzvahs, so we get rewarded. So we said that's a very sophisticated form of narcissism, right? I need parnasa, I need kids. I want my prayer to get answered. If you're praying properly, Hashem should answer you. But if you're using Hashem as only a tool to give you what you want, these are prayers that are mixed with impure thoughts. And that's the klipos are mixed up because it's not totally for the sake of heaven. So when we're dominating, who knows if we have klipos in our words. And therefore the Kaddish was designated based on the words of Yecheskel that say, Hashem says, Viskadalti, I will be made big, says Hashem. Viskadashti, I'll be sanctified, like will happen in the war of Gog and Magog. And every prayer is meant that God's name should be perfect and his throne should be perfect and his kingdom should be known in front of the whole world. Now we know when Amalek fought the Jews, what did Hashem tell Moshe? Kiyor al The hand of Amalek is on the throne of Yudhei. Amalekham Hashem with Amalek. As long as Amalek's around, God's throne is not complete. Because Amalek is the source of Toma in the world. God's throne is not complete. It's missing something. What's he missing? Hashem's name is Yudhei Vavhei. What letters are missing? Vav hey. Kiyod al case ka. Yud hey. His hand is on the throne, but I only have the Yud hey. The Yud hey is the name of Hashem that thereby Hashem is revealed within the world. Because we say, Ki be Yud hey tzura lamim. Hashem created the worlds with ka. Yud hey. Vav hey is the perfection of Hashem's name. 
And that's not been revealed yet until Mashiach comes. So we say, Yiskadel v'yiskadesh Shmei. How do you spell Shmei? Shin Mem Yud Hei. The shame Yud Hei. The shame Yud Hei of Hashem that's not complete should be made big and complete. When we say Kaddish, is that part of Hashem's name should be revealed to make His name proper. Yiskadel v'yiskadesh Shmei Rabbo. Hashem's name, which is only a Yud Hei. Shmei. Shin Mem Yud Hei. Shmei. Should be made bigger and full. We need the Vav Hei. Okay, how we're going to do this and what we're saying, sorry, I got to stop it. We're really out of time. Sorry to leave you at a cliffhanger.